This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1165, which is entitled Fun, Fun, Fun in the Sun, Sun, Sun. I hope you are indeed having that out there whilst you're wearing your Class 1 radiation armour against said son. <laughs> I am Rob Jan and our podcast title today is Capodi since of course we are farewelling Peter Capaldi the 12th Doctor Who. Now thank you to Justine who's been filling in beforehand at Triple I here today and on the first episode of this new year well we'll be talking about the Doctor Who Christmas special twice upon a time and also the anthology science fiction series black mirror which is returning for its fourth season just dropped on netflix and we'll catch up with red dwarf season 12 and more as they say out there so Let's kick off with a bit of Murray Gold and by way of everybody else who's worked on the Doctor Who theme too. Uh, and I think we're losing Murray Gold as well, the big general changeover from Doctors and Showrunners. I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 Triple R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere, anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 ha, with three exclamation marks. Hello, this is Paul McGann. I play the eighth incarnation of The Doctor, and you are listening to 3 Triple R FM. Yeah, now, Rob Jan here for today's episode of Zero G, and without further to do about who, we are talking about the Doctor Who Christmas special, which materialised over the break, and with the break on as well, because it's the TARDIS, <laughs> uh, we also got it at the um, the cinema too. So it's still up on um, iView from the ABC, so lots of chances to catch up with it. And since we're, well, a good week out from that, I have no trouble at all doing a completely spoiler-filled review of the Doctor Who Christmas special, Twice Upon a Time. It is the 13th Christmas special of New Doctor Who, and 13 is, by a kind of magic, more or less the number incarnation of the Doctor that Jodie Whittaker now plays, the first female Doctor Who that's in the main show. We should count Joanna Lumley from the uh, Curse of Fatal Death comedy special, but... um, comedy aid special, but uh, we'll just move on <laughs> the way they have. As we see Peter Capaldi 
exiting the TARDIS in this episode and Jodie Whittaker now picking up the sonic screwdriver for the first time. It's written by showrunner Stephen Moffat, who is also outgoing and he's stepping aside for the new producer and head writer, Chris Chibnall, who was one of the instrumentalists behind Torchwood, the Doctor Who spin-off, as well as the police procedural show Broadchurch, which, of course, starred David Tennant. So um, quite a few linkages there already. And, of course, Jodie Whittaker was a character on, uh, played a character on Broadchurch too. Uh, a bit of a um, Bowie connection here too. Uh, Chris Chibnall wrote for both seasons of the original Life on Mars, the uh, the British one in 2006 and seven, And he was also behind the concept of a television series about King Arthur's wizard, which later on, without his involvement, became the successful series Merlin. Uh, Chibnall also show ran Camelot the first season of that too, another Arthurian connection, and has been the showrunner on Law and Order UK in Doctor Who circumstances, and he is uh, the complete anorak. Chibnall also did the uh, 2007 episode New Who of um, third season? Yeah, third season of that, uh, 42. And also did the um, two-part story, The Hungry Earth slash Cold Blood. Uh, we had the um, Silurians in that one for the f- first time in the new series and also wrote uh, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship and The Power of Free back in 2012 for the seventh series. So I think he does know his Doctor Who stuff and he has some great fandom connections thereafter as well. So you should be able to uh, see him all along the way if you go back through your Doctor Who connections and through the magazines and uh, fan magazines and a few interviews and so on, as well as... um, some of the uh, the spin-off media too. Now, the episode Twice Upon a Time is a um, quite perfectly named story uh, as it puts together two different incarnations of the Doctor. That's the, um, the first Doctor with the 10th planet his final series came out in 1966. That's William Hartnell there in that incarnation. And so the story itself, and people have um, criticised it for not having much story. Well, I don't think it actually needs much story beyond the main collision of the two Doctors. They've both got problems. They both do not want to regenerate, which, of course, is the Time Lord way of changing out actors and getting in fresh blood. And pretty clear that um, William Hartnell um, reluctantly moved on, but also because of his health problems back in 1966. But uh, the Peter Capaldi regeneration is motivated by Peter moving on to other things too. And the actual characters of the Doctors are having difficulties with um, uh, getting their act together in terms of changing out. And so having the two different Doctors together allows the writer, Stephen Moffat, to explore 
the characters using ref, referring to themselves, basically, uh, which is a fairly um, strong characteristic of the Moffat years. He did indeed like to do that. Um, now, we've also got uh, quite a few companions running through this one. It's traditional to have some kind of revisitations of earlier companions. That's the, the Doctor's travelling companions. Uh, in this case, we had uh, Pearl Mackey appearing once again as Bill Potts, Jenna Coleman playing Clara Oswald, Matt Lucas barely popping up as Nardole, and um, some previous companions. And this is where it gets a bit timey-wimey. We have... Um, uh, ben and Polly, the first Doctor's uh, companions, or at least some of his companions, appearing, uh, both in some um, archival footage from 1966, but also briefly as a couple of other actors playing those, reprising those roles. Can they reprise them if they haven't played them before? I don't know. It gets very complicated when you talk about this. We also heard the voice of uh, Nikki Amuka Bird, who played the glass woman voice. Um, she has appeared in the Torchwood episode Sleeper and also um, I think she was in the uh, BBC series, you know, the post-apocalyptic one, Survivors, the new version of that anyway. There was a previous version of that earlier on. And, of course, we have David Bradley appearing as the first Doctor. So we've got David Bradley playing the William Hartnell first Doctor. Uh, and he did already play that role in An Adventure in Space and Time, which they rolled out for the 50th anniversary, which was the story of uh, the early years of Doctor Who, done as a docudrama, basically. And um, we've also uh, seen him play the first Doctor in The Doctor Falls, and here he is now in Twice Upon a Time. He's also been the uh, the first Doctor doing the voice acting for him in some big Finnish uh, first Doctor adventures, which will come out in uh, this year. So he's been the third Doctor, the third actor who's played the role of the first Doctor, along with William Hartnell and Richard Herndl. Richard Herndl was in the um, multi-Doctor story in 1983, The Five Doctors. Oh, goodness me. But he's also been in New Doctor Who as well, in um, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship opposite um, Matt Smith, as well as being a, a voice of a character in the Sarah Jane Adventures. Uh, does he nail the William Hartnell Doctor Who role? Yes, I think he does. He, he certainly captures the, uh, the essence of the part. It's a bit controversial, some of the things that they've had him say in this story, uh, since he's from, sort of, 19... 19- 66, they have him play a fairly sexist version of the First Doctor. Now, I do remember a fair old bit of sexism in the 1960s Doctor Who at the same time as a quite a bit of um, at least an attempt to uh, bring in some early feminist uh, concepts and characters along the way, which sort of ramped up as they went on over the years. And really the only way for me to refresh my memory there would be to go back and watch the whole um, first Doctor Who (laughs) canon to see how close they are. So I've kind of got to um, hold any rage I might have in abeyance for a bit because I have to go back and do that first. I don't... Well, you know, I saw some of those first Doctor Who stories back in the day and um, I wouldn't have known, really. So I've seen some of them since and, yeah, there is a a bit of a problem there. Uh, But, um, you know, it is what it is and and part of the reason why they've uh, highlighted that and underscored that in this modern 
story uh, is, of course, because it's um, it's a pressing issue in the world. And, of course, they play part of it, only part of it, um, for laughs with Peter Capaldi's doctor's reaction to the, to the sexism. is like, you can't say that. Uh, and the interaction between Capaldi and Bradley, their two different doctors, is one of the standout features of um, Twice Upon a Time, of course, because that's what we're there for. That's what we were there for with the five doctors and the two doctors and, you know, all the other <laughs> team-ups that they've had along the way. We want to see how the doctors react to each other and they get along not as well as they might but better than you might think. Um, I think probably one of the great lines for me is where um, um, the Hartnell doctor looks at... Um, the 12th Doctor and says, I thought I would be younger when I regenerated. And Capaldi squawks, I am younger. <laughs> I thought that's great. Ah, such interaction there. This is Danny Strong. I play Jonathan, creator of the internet, international man of mystery, and star of the Matrix trilogy, and Jono the Vampire Slayer. You're listening to 3 R FM radio. Ha! It's one of my better inventions. And we are talking about the Doctor Who... Christmas special twice upon a time here on Zero G with Rob Jan at the helm flying hand solo today. Now, we were considering the episode and um, Mark Gattis is also another actor who appears in it. He, of course, has got so much to do with Doctor Who, apart from writing it, appearing in it as uh, various characters over the years. Uh, also works with Stephen Moffat on Sherlock and a member of the League of Gentlemen. Uh, you may know him from Game of Thrones as Tycho Nestorus, man of many multiple talents. And here he is playing... The Captain, a World, a World War One officer. Uh, and since we are a week out from this uh, having appeared, you'll know that he plays one of the Lethbridge Stewart family. Uh, I actually thought that was um, crackingly well done. Plays this character who's suspended between life and death, having been snatched out of... A very sticky wicket in the middle of a battle of in World War One, um, where he is uh, perhaps destined to die during a fight between himself and a German soldier, all held in suspension while the two doctors sort out whether or not um, both of them want to regenerate. First doctor from his. 1966 adventures and the new doctor in 2017 we all know it's got to happen of course because the first doctor's stories do end and he goes on to become the various incarnations over the year so no real sense of suspense there but it would have been quite possible for them to have sacrificed my gattis's character along the way i thought the uh, the overall story held up, even though parts of it are sketched in, including the, uh, the creatures from the, uh, the future who are resurrecting people for various reasons, uh, not really resurrecting them in full, but it does give us a nice reason to have Clara Oswald come back and uh, Bill Potts and, and so on, just to um, name check those in the tradition of returning just briefly 
to give us a glimpse of the companions that this doctor has worked with. Usually they do this, I mean, let's not even usually, the basis of this is to create lots of feels, of course, uh, so much so that instead of being an HBO show, Doctor Who is an EMO show at times. Uh, depends on how cynical you are or how much you dislike having your heartstrings played upon. Hearts, plural. Um, I teared up watching this episode. I always do when they uh, swap over doctors, even if in some cases it's been not a moment too soon. <laughs> but here we are, you know, we've got a, a new doctor. It is a woman for the first time basically in the canon series of Doctor Who, uh, Jodie Whittaker. I wish her very well indeed. I cannot wait to see her episodes uh, late in um, uh, 2018, I believe, um, with their new showrunner at the helm, promising big changes to everything. Um, and that's the thing about Doctor Who. It is a, very much a renewal show. Uh, she's going to have, Jodie Whittaker is going to have um, three different companions, at least to start with, um, a posse in the TARDIS once again. Uh, Bradley Walsh, who plays Graham, he's um, um, aged about 57, I think, from what I read. Uh, he has appeared in a couple of episodes of the Sarah Jane Adventures, uh, his uh, various um, characters, and... He's also um, been quite a few other things in his time. So he's going to be, I think he may very well be, uh, apart from Bernard Cribbins, uh, the oldest regular companion uh, on Doctor Who. Um, Tossin Cole is playing a character called Ryan. And we've seen her before as an X-Wing pilot, Lieutenant Bastion, sorry, him before in... Uh, um, the Force Awakens, and basically he's been on EastEnders for a while. He's um, about 25, and I think he's going to be the muscle in the show. <laughs> At least he's taller than everybody else, I believe, from the picture, unless somebody's standing on a box. Uh, Mandip Gill is playing Yasmin. She's 29 and has been in the Hollyoaks um, um, soap opera, basically. So a bit of a mixture there in the TARDIS of age groups and genders, and that's good. I think that's um, always a, a lively way of doing things for Doctor Who, and I can't wait to see how they all interact with Jodie Whittaker's new Doctor. Bit of a controversy at the end of the episode. She changes from uh, Peter Capaldi as he gives probably one of the great speeches of Doctor Who as he regenerates. Um, it's an actor's piece as he reels around the TARDIS, giving us every moment of joy that you can possibly get and such sadness too because, look, I'm, I welcome the new Doctor. I uh, have no trouble at all with um, them changing, but I'm so going to miss Peter Capaldi um, as the Doctor... Uh, I grew up with um, some of the early doctors, of course, uh, <laughs> allegedly grew up. Uh, so, you know, when people ask me the question of um, who was your doctor, um, because I followed the series so long, I just go, yes, who is my doctor? But Peter Capaldi is one of my all-time favourites and I shall miss him so much in the role. Uh, okay, now we'll see um, how they get on with that as they push into the new year. Um, they've started uh, filming the uh, 
11th series of Doctor Who. They started um, in November. There are 10 episodes in it and Chris Chibnall is now the head writer and executive producer. So this is the 37th season of Doctor Who coming up, the 11th season of The New Who, 37th season overall, which is a magnificent innings that even Peter Davison's Doctor would be proud of to have knotted up at the crease. Now, um, I did want to say that uh, I thought that this was actually a fairly strong Doctor Who story and that they balanced several of the elements quite well. But it's art and I do understand if you disagree with me because, you know, everybody hides behind the sofa with their own size and flavour, chock top and bag of popcorn. (laughs) It is, after all, Doctor Who and it would not be Doctor Who if it wasn't controversial and fans didn't have different opinions about it. Now, I do believe that... um, We shall see Peter Capaldi again in the TARDIS someday. It's my hope. Uh, Maybe when they get to do another, like, two or three Doctor special, um, I'm pretty sure Peter Capaldi would be up for that. He uh, is leaving um, with a great deal of sentiment behind his departure. I saw a picture the other day, Stephen Moffat uh, tweeted, of um, Capaldi standing in the Doctor Who production rooms and they had him trying on the authentic... um, red velvet jacket that uh, John Pertwee used to wear in uh, the third Doctor's Day and he looked right chuffed by it all because, of course, Capaldi has been a long-term Doctor Who fan. He's also been a fan of David Bowie and Bowie was a prime inspiration for Peter Capaldi's costume characterisation of the 12th Doctor. Um, Of course, when you stop to think about it, both the science fictional Time Lord and his counterpoint Rockstar began their careers in the 1960s, so there's a pleasing symmetry to the synergy between the, the two British icons. British Gallifreyan, I should say. Now, Peter uh, Capaldi attended several Ziggy Stardust concerts in Glasgow and in a radio interview once called Bowie a walking work of art. <laughs> So, for our David Bowie track today, and um, we are coming up to the both the, the uh, second anniversary of his death, and also, of course, the um, anniversary of his birthday, which all fall in the same general region of space-time. Uh, and I think um, I will play a track from Reality, Uh, That album, always a hot topic on Doctor Who, What Is Real? This is the third track from the album. And um, this track is called, I thought it was uh, quite appropriate, Never Get Old. And I just think that this is entirely appropriate to Doctor Who because they're always sort of um, running to catch up when they're uh, changing over doctors. And there's also a sense that that nobody wants to really go too, mostly. And they'd be glad to stay on if they decided otherwise. But in this case, I thought this also applies to that um, eternal, ironically, 
noted problem of ageing rock stars. So we'll give this one a shot. It is Never Get Old from David Bowie's... Oh, uh, well into his um, 20th studio album or something, maybe 23rd, something like that. Can't remember. I will look when I'm playing it. His album, Reality. So farewell to Peter Capaldi as the Doctor and welcome aboard Jody Whittaker as the Doctor. Hi, I'm George Takei and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G. Admiral... Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? (laughs) Dreaming away here on Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1165. And we've been looking at the Doctor Who Christmas special for the first half of the show, actually a little bit longer there, the Bowie track and the, uh, the Doctor Who track. And consumed uh, parsecs of a time during today's show. Now, looking at Red Dwarf, season 12, which is um, on ABC Comedy and iView as well. You can catch up with it there on 9.30pm Tuesdays tomorrow night. And it is the 12th season already, already, he says. Um, been running since 1988 couple of uh, gaps in between this modern series now modern series is uh, mostly helmed by doug naylor it was originally created by rob grant and doug naylor and um, this is naylor alone now the episode that they had last week or the hoo-ha or after the doctor had aired uh, located this one on boxing day 68th episode called cured uh, there are multiple episodes, of course, in this season. Uh, we've got um, six, as usual. Oh. And this particular one saw... Uh, I'll give you a quick, <laughs> a very quick rundown of what the Red Dwarf universe is about. It's uh, set three million years in the future. The mining starship Red Dwarf, which is a, a very big spaceship indeed, crew of thousands is down to a very small unit of workers at the moment, lower decks types, basically. Uh, The core group of Craig Charles, Chris Barry, Robert Llewellyn and Danny John Jules, all there again. And Norman Lovett coming back as the Red Dwarf's computer, Holly. So that's pretty cool too. But this uh, first episode has the Red Dwarf's scout ship Starbug finding a, well, uh, basically a um, scientific research station. It's been out there since the 23rd century out in deep space where they've been trying to cure evil amongst people. And so this is a story which uh, ties in really in theme to several other Red Dwarf stories over the years. Um, For example, uh, Meltdown or uh, Justice, uh, quite a few others too with um, historical characters in the mix. And again, since this um, appeared in the UK in August, I think, um, on on Dave TV and has been out for a whole week here and on... um, on uh, iview as well to catch up i think i'm justified in doing a spoiler uh, talk about it um, the historical characters which have been cured of their evil 
reportedly include Joseph Stalin, um, Vlad the Impaler, uh, Messalina and uh, Adolf Hitler appearing for the second time in Red Dwarf, an odd recurring character. Um, let's play, uh, Hitler is played by Ryan Gage, who <laughs> was the uh, character Alfred in uh, Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. Pretty despicable character there. But in his cured mode, maybe actually a bit nicer in this universe. Running into Adolf Hitler in uh, fantasy shows and science fiction, uh, of course, he's one of the main characters in... Um, the series uh, Preacher, although he's safely tucked away in hell there instead of some kind of uh, futuristic scientific research facility. There are some good jokes in this one, <laughs> I thought. Uh, um, the Starbug uh, thruster that's, that's out, which means that the ship can only go left all the time. Uh, great little sight gag, that one. And Danny John Jules as the cat gets to play the character in as uh, one of the main focuses of the action in this one and and I think that's um that's all to the good because cat often gets left out as a kind of a <clears throat> a comic relief in uh, many of the other stories and it's good to see him come to the fore I thought the episode was pretty well written uh it's very traditional in its um in its style as a red dwarf story uh, everybody seemed to be present for this uh, particular story, and by that I mean that nobody was phoning it in, really. Although they could have used um, the guy who played uh, the doctor, not the, um, sorry, the professor in this one. I shouldn't say the doctor, it gets confusing. Um, uh, professor Telford, uh, played by um, Adrian Lucas, who Pride and Prejudice fans will remember as Mr Wickham in the uh, 1995 television series. But I thought they all did very well and it's not often you get to say that uh, Hitler was outstanding in this story, but the actor certainly played him quite amusingly. As weird as that sounds um, and uh, as topical as that is too, with all the the despicable nonsense with resurgent Nazism over in the United States. Okay, uh, Red Dwarf Season 12. The rest of the five episodes are going to play out on Tuesday nights at 9.30 on ABC Comedy. We will get to see all of the Red Dwarf crew, the surviving um, Earth, not exactly humans, but um, agents of Earth now out there in space. We'll see them all find out what it feels like to be a mechanoid a la their crewmate Crichton in the second episode, and we'll also get involved in a bit of um, time travel and also uh, some <laughs> machine rebellions, uh, machine rebellion aboard the uh, the ship. I think they're actually doing a bit of social commentary in this season, which is all to the good. <laughs> uh, can't wait to see how they twist it in Red Dwarf. Now... One that has appeared in uh, Netflix is um, a show called The Toys That Made Us. It's a documentary. There are four episodes in an eight-episode season that have dropped so far. And it's an ultra-nostalgic collectibles documentary series. It's good fun. And so far they've covered Star Wars, Toys, Barbie, He-Man and G.I. Joe. 
Now, none of them are my particular circus play set or plastic monkey toy-wise, but it's still quite fun to watch some of the drama behind the bubble pack of some classic iconic toys. Uh, it always makes me feel sorry now that I pulled the working rocket-firing jetpack off that early Boba Fett figure I had to add on to my 1995 Toy Biz Iron Man Space Armor toy. Well, it almost makes me feel sorry for it because it was fun. (laughs) And speaking of collectibles, uh, after you've watched The Toys That Made Us on Netflix, um, Mark McBride's genre-themed art exhibition, The Boy Who Drew Dragons, is still running at the Eltham Library Community Gallery until Monday the 15th of January this year. Mark's an illustrator whose work has graced the covers of uh, Emily Roder's Del Toro Quest series, which you may also be familiar with uh, as an animated uh, television series. And Mark's work has also been featured as covers on the Quintaris Chronicle series of young adult novels. So check that out at the Eltham Library Community Gallery. Lots of artwork there. He has been running, um, I think, workshops there too. I think they're all booked out though by now. And you may also like to know that um, Black Mirror series has returned on Netflix as well. This is a cracking good science fiction series, an anthology series, uh, which has been bouncing around for four years so far. And this particular one is... Got uh, they got this year. They have six episodes once again, and I'm sorry I cannot binge watch Black Mirror. Uh, not too many of those episodes in one day. It does your mental health in something shocking because it is a uh, a high impact science fiction anthology series where they are giving us the holding up literally the uh, the Black Mirror two contemporary issues revolving around technology. The Black Mirror, of course, is a screen, any screen, a computer screen, a device screen, whatever. And so they do tend to um, revolve around particular issues of that kind of uh, communications and other technology. The particular first one is uh, USS Callister. That's the name. It's directed by uh, Toby Haynes and written by the showrunner Charlie Brooker and William Bridges. And um, this is a a real strong story. Uh, Since it's only dropped on the 29th, I'll try to keep some of the the spoilers out of my little summation of it because I don't want to wreck it for you because Black Mirror stories do uh, quite strongly rely upon um, a sting in the tail. Not always, though. Not always. um, This one is a bit of a slow burn and the, uh, the twist sort of gets to you fairly soon at the start so anyway now it's the first episode of this new season and kind of sets the tone um this uh has a character called robert daly pivotal in the story he's a uh, computer programmer and helped found a uh, vast multiplayer online game it's a very um, immersive game high-tech virtual reality he has some problems in the office he's uh, not as respected as he thinks he should be and he takes it out 
online when he goes home. Now, you will know that this episode from the uh, the pictures that you've seen involves a uh, Star Trek-like quality, although they've accessed other things as well. And um, the story evolves from his ability to program simulations, shall we say, aboard the USS Callister Starship. This will bring him into conflict with some of his co-workers. Now, one of the interesting things about the story is that it stars Jesse Plemons, who I totally mistook for Matt Damon. I don't know why. Maybe it was just holiday madness. And we know him, of course, from Breaking Bad, where he played Todd. And also another character in Ed Blumquist. And that was in the uh, Fargo Season 2 story. And we have Kristen Milioti, who played Betty in that Season 2 of Fargo. So there's a nice little synergy going there between the characters. Um, And Toby... Haynes, the director of this, is a director who has worked on lots of other science fiction shows before, including, uh, I think, um, Doctor Who and several other shows that uh, give us a bit of a, um, a lead into this story, which is kind of Galaxy Quest in a way and kind of... Uh, Star Trek Next Generation, there are several stories in that that this rem- resembles too, including one, you know, the one with the uh, the lower deck crew members where they just look at the, pe- the little people, so to speak. It's actually got a lot of good social commentary in this story and highly relevant to today's world. Uh, it was a little bit longer than the usual Black Mirror episode, ran at one hour and 16 minutes. And um, I think that actually goes against it a little bit. It's a little bit too long. But other than that, it's a fine Black Mirror episode with some incredible detail in it too. I mean, they've really gone to town in uh, in uh, whistling up the tropes of science fiction universes. For example, the uniforms that the characters wear in this have got little tiny symbols on them mirroring the um, the badges from the, uh, the, the Starship's organisation that uh, is behind it all. Um, which is a is a big trope now. You see that a lot on Star Trek and uh, Marvel movies too, and um, DC and so on. They, they will love to put little prints on the the fabric of their costumes, which is um, a fun thing to do and makes it rather difficult for fan costumers to replicate them <laughs> unless they can find a legitimate copyright source of the items involved. So, yeah, watch that first episode. There's a couple of good cameos involving one Breaking Bad person, at least, and somebody else from a science superhero franchise. Um, Well, actually, she goes back a bit. But uh, I won't tell you who exactly they are uh, and how they manifest. It's up to you to find them out. I think it's a very arch commentary perhaps not so much on um, fandom although i did get quite uncomfortable watching this thinking oh are they having a go at us well yes they are a little bit and they're having a little bit of a go at gamers but that's what they do on black mirror they open up um, technology to us very scrutiny and examine the ethics of um, online gaming as well amongst other things 
Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a good story. So check that one out and the other ones as you go. But again, I would say do not watch these in a binge session. It's um, You're trying to uh, be a bit optimistic in the world at the moment and uh, maybe you don't want to do that going straight into the new year. Just mess with your head way too much. Right, we're coming up to two o'clock. That's about it for Zero G for today. And we'll be powering into the new year next week. Don't know what we'll be looking at, but I suspect very strongly that we'll be having a overflight of some of the masses of genre movies that are out at the cinema at the moment. Maybe having a look at what's coming up in the new year, what to expect. Hey, there's going to be some superhero movies I guess, <laughs> next year. Quite a few of them. As usual, they seem to have become this genre all in themselves. Seem? Ha, huh, that's a joke. Um, so, yeah, at the, at the uh, cinema at the moment, there's quite a few films you might want to look at. Of course, there's still Star Wars The Last Jedi still showing everywhere, even at the Asta. Uh, Coco, Downsizing, Jumanji the remake, which is actually getting quite a good write-up. Uh, Paddington 2, Ferdinand, two of the animated movies that are out, and as well as uh, Coco and The Disaster Artist and The uh, the Greatest Showman but in the sort of more or less historical veins there. So, yeah, quite a few ones there. I, I, my eyes are also set upon, as I was saying before, that free billboards outside ebbing. i have a crack at that too. So lots to catch out up out there in the mainstream cinemas and also don't forget the smaller cinemas, the little idiosyncratic ones that pop up. The rooftop cinema, which has um, got so many of its different movies coming up. Um, You know, Blade Runner 2049, this is what they usually do. They cycle through some of the ones that have come out recently as well as uh, ones which are not so recent. Uh, Back to the Future, Get Out, um, Casablanca, Murder on the Orient Express, Justice League, and so on. Uh, and also the Moonlight Cinema out in the Botanic Gardens, not to mention the Shimmerlands, um, sh- formerly the Shadow Electric at the University of Melbourne in Parkville, which will crank up in January. And also the uh, AMX Open Air Cinema in St Kilda, uh, as well as the Nova Cinema and... Um, the other ones that uh, are more settled in their format. So always worth checking out the fringe sort of cinemas too. Okay, uh, and uh, something to look forward to the Quinted Tarantino Festival at the um, the Asta, which will be coming up eventually, but we'll talk about that next year. Got Kate Reed coming up next, filling in for Joe Brunatic, Astral Glamour. And we'll go out with a track that I've just selected from The Cult Files Reopened. And this is the, uh, I think it might be the Outer Limits theme, the old uh, and new anthology science fiction series. So that's it for Zero G. And welcome to 2018 and I still have no jetpack, apart from a Boba Fett one that I stole once. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.